the average mobile app costs around $50,000 to build. Uh, and we think that's way too high, right? If, if I want to test out my idea, I want an easy way to go in, drag some things around. Okay, cool. I have my Instagram for dogs app. It's on, it's on um, iOS and Android. And now I can focus on my go-to-market strategy. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow. No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate, to a hypnotherapist, to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from the experts the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is the head of operations and product at V1 Inc. His name is Kenneth Johnson from Texas Tech University to helping non-technical people build apps from team leadership to helping scale a VC-backed startup to $7 million, from Google to where he is now. Kenneth manages 30 projects concurrently on a monthly basis. He manages a staff of 22 software engineers, and he's an awesome, all-around awesome human being. Kenneth, how are you today? I'm good, man. How are you? How are you? I'm glad and happy, and you can hear the excitement in my voice. So let's begin <laughs> by giving some context. What okay. is the story that made you become the Kenneth that we know and love today? You know, I started out like most people um, in entrepreneurship um, when I was young, doing web design, uh, freelance projects, things like that. Um, then that slowly progressed. Uh, life, life moved on from there. And then um, I went to college right? You know, did the whole college thing for a couple of years. And then uh, lo and behold, you know, um, Jeremy, the founder of D1, uh, and I got linked up. And uh, we decided, you know, I'm just going to drop out of school. <laughs> I'm going to move to LA. And we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna help him uh, and, the, and the V1 guys grow. And um, that's exactly what uh, exactly what I did. So that's how I got here uh, today. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy wild ride, but I wouldn't, I, I've been loving every minute of it and I wouldn't take anything back. I am really happy about that. And before even we begin, I was talking to the CEO of a, a large microfinance firm from Eastern Europe. He, he's doing his MBA at Columbia University as well as the London School of Economics and managing the operations of a large uh, fintech company. And he's really like almost a genius. 
And I asked him, what is your secret to success? He said, luck. He said, many times I worked hard, but it's only when I was, I met the right person at the right time, or I was at the right place at the right time that my life has changed. And from you talking about Jeremy and that situation, because I would like to demystify this, that people think, oh, everything was planned and every successful person took every turn according to their prepared GPS, but life is full of twists and turns. Can you comment on this? Yeah, no, I I fully agree. It's definitely, uh, I forgot what the saying is, but luck has like a, a, a big part of it. And it's also being prepared too, right? So like, um, yeah, I mean, when you know, when you find people uh, and they want to bring you on board or you have an opportunity that you want to go out and execute on, um, usually what what's also paired with being lucky enough to come across that opportunity is uh, also being prepared to execute on that opportunity, right? Um, because if someone someone offers you, you know, the ability to drive this cool car, but you don't have, you know, the cool car permit, you know, or the license, then you, you know, even though that opportunity presented itself, um, you may not be actual, you may not be able to, um, uh, to, to do that, to do that thing. So, um, yeah, luck has a lot to do with it, being in the right place at the right time, maybe knowing some people, sure. Um, but also at the end of the day, you do have to still put in the work and, and be able to, um, execute on those opportunities as well. I love it because that's one of my favorite quotes from the Roman philosopher Seneca because I love stoicism. And he said that um, luck happens when opportunity meets preparation. Mm -hmm. So that's what you are referencing. And to ask you more, let's go very basic. What does V1 do? What is V1 just to, to... to go to the fundamentals and have that crystal clear understanding. For sure. So at its basics, uh, we built an app builder, right? And I mean, like there's a bunch of app builders out there, right? Um, Bubble being probably the the largest and maybe the most technical. Uh, You have Adalo. um, You have app builders out there that already exist. Um, What what we've done, though, is we created an app builder for non-technical people, right? So if you think about um, website builders, so we have, think about Wix, right? Like how that's like, anyone can pretty pretty much go into Wix and come out an hour or two later with a pretty decent looking website. Same concept uh, for V1. Um, we really just want to help non-technical people like get their first version of their idea out there because the barrier, historically, the barrier to entry for uh, mobile apps um, is really high, right? Like the average... The average mobile app costs around $50,000 to build. Uh, and we think that's way too high, right? If, if I want to test out my idea, I want an easy way to go in, drag some things around. Okay, cool. I have my Instagram for dogs app. It's on It's on um, iOS and Android. And now I can focus on my go-to-market strategy and like testing uh, my, my core hypothesis to see if people actually want my idea and and that that marketplace we felt hadn't been uh capitalized on just yet and so that's that's exactly why we we built uh your b1 and to help people 
you know, just get started. And when the market validates your idea, then great. Like you can move on. Like you can export your source code from our app builder uh, and React Native, and and you can go on and scale accordingly. But it's really that first barrier to entry that we're trying to to solve. Because I mean, fifty thousand dollars on an app that on an app idea that you're really not sure uh, it's gonna work or not is is it's a big gamble. And 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 we think it's kind of affecting innovation right because people are that's a really high barrier to entry i love i love i love what you're saying and at the same time you know sometimes i'll ask some questions that might seem harsh or whatever but i like to in the beginning attack an idea before i spend time making it better so well what you said Okay, Mm -hmm. uh, let's go differently because your idea is not totally new. You're already making millions with V1. So, I mean, like, at least valued at that. What (laughs) kind of non-technical people are right now um, the biggest group of users? I don't mean, like, they have to be 90%, but, like, percentage-wise, what kind of people seem to be most attracted right now to V1? Yeah, I would I would definitely say it's it's kind of a tie between uh, small business owners, right, and then just makers, right. So small business owners, you know, uh, people that have you know restaurants, uh, salons, barbershops, et cetera, et cetera, uh, kind of like in that service industry, we found a pretty good uh, niche. <laughs> Is it niche or niche? Either one. We found oh. a pretty good. <laughs> That's like the age old question, right? Is it niche or niche? Um, but, uh, we, we found a pretty good spot, uh, with, with, uh, the small business crowd. And then the same thing with makers, people that again, like have an, have an idea and just want to get their feet wet, uh, so to speak. And, and so, but it's, it's definitely a tie between those, uh, two core groups of people. Great. So then let's try to break this tie or choose randomly, but to break it, which one of them either use it longer, use it more frequently, or have a higher customer lifetime value, if you know this data. For sure. Yeah, so that would probably have to be uh, the small business owners, right? Because like, once you, it's, it's almost like a website. Like, once you create your website, you're, you're not gonna, you know, take it down or stop paying for it, you know, because that's, it's a part, it then becomes a part of your brand. And, you know, people are checking your website. So, um Definitely small business owners, because once they publish their app, their customers are using their app and it just becomes a, a part of that business's uh, brand, right? So like, hey, um, Joe's Pizza Shop has a new app now, right? So now all your customers know about your your app. Um, it's kind of, it's something that you want to keep around, right? It's not, it's really not something that you want to have up one month and, you know, down the next month. I like this because those people don't need that core thing that you spoke about, about like trying their idea in the market and whatever. It's more of a continuation of their existing brand, correct? Or correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, what are they using their apps for? Is it like you said, like a website where they offer an app to over offer their services and access in a different platform to their services? Or are those small business owners also engaging in innovation? I think it's definitely a little bit of both, right? So um, we could definitely have brand extension by 
like having an app, especially if if you're a small business, right? So if you're a pizza shop and having the having your customers be able to order um, directly from your app is is beneficial, right? Especially from your a marketing point of view as well, because you're a, because we have push notifications. Uh, push notifications uh, have a way way higher percent uh, open rates than emails, text messages, et cetera, et cetera. So when you have your own tech, essentially, right, you're able to, uh, you know, um, increase, uh, you know, increase uh, conversion rates by having just by having your own app. So there's one side of it. Then if you want to go towards innovation, I I mean, a lot of um, a lot of the ability also comes from being able to um, make your internal your staff uh, make that process uh, work a little better. So maybe now Maybe now you have a customer facing app, but you also have an internal app for your employees. And this is where they come and they check out the schedule, uh, you know, for the month. This is where they submit, you know, uh, vacation uh, requests, et cetera, et cetera. So depending on what you're trying to do as a customer, we can help you with both. Because at the end of the day, we're providing uh, um, tech um, for um, a, a lower barrier the, um, of entry than usual. Yes, which is great. And in marketing, if you can have three different messages or four or whatever to different avatars, like the people who want the brand extension or the people who want the internal kind of app and the people, the makers who want to test their idea, you will have higher conversions, even if you had like... Um, three th- different sub-brands for each, they, you can target the messaging much, much better. But of course, you are doing great already. So it's not good to just mess uh, totally with something that is working wonderfully. To ask you another question. So which do uh, small business owners seem to either demand more of or speak about more or use your, uh, your platform more to do? Is it for those extra conversions from having their own app or is it for internal apps for their team? I know it can be useful for many things, but which one seems to stand out within that segment? It it would for sure be the brand extension, right? Um, Up until now, it's been really, really hard for anyone that's that's not technical to kind of just spit out an app, you know, um, in in an afternoon. Um, so people have really been uh, taking advantage of that, which is great. That's exactly you know what we built the platform for. Um, so all these small mom and pop shops that you know have been um, outside of the tech realm are, are now able to uh, come in our platform, get help from you know Keith, who runs our customer uh, support, um, read our docs, et cetera, et cetera, and come out with a really great looking app that you know services their customers as as they need this is wonderful you're doing something great in the world and i believe in those like you said mom and pop shops and they should survive and thrive and grow and i support this 100 percent and to ask you since Mm -hmm. it's b2b well we have to think about the decision maker the person who makes the decision or signs the check well this is what you offer is non-technical for, I mean, it's tech stuff for non-technical people. Well, mm-hmm. who is making the decision? And since it's a mom and pop shop, 
is it really like those older people that are making it or do they have like a young son or daughter who is hip to the no code scene and they're like oh you have to try this and all that because i'm saying it i remember a story about gary v where he has been yeah. trying for years to get work with a uh, fortune 500 companies but he couldn't and one day the son of a fortune 500 ceo became a fan of him on tiktok and then he pressured his father to hire Gary V. And from that moment, he had the brand cachet of saying, I'm a Fortune 500 media consultant, which opened doors for him that weren't yeah. open before. And it was because of uh, the kid of the CEO that made the decision basically for his father. So in your situation, how knowledgeable are those small business owners? Who is making the decision? Um, like who seems to be the person excited about the prospect more than anyone because they could be maybe in their 30s and super young and hip or they could be older and have someone younger who is uh, you know pushing into this direction for their survival that's a great question um so we're still fairly new and so on our marketing side we're trying out a bunch of uh you know marketing avenues um we started by just running social media campaigns and really the, the, the one that we uh, started off with was TikTok. And uh, yeah, that had some interesting results, right? Because TikTok is definitely with the younger crowd. And um, it was it was cool to see like how kids were wanting to use uh, our platform, right? So you got we got a lot of like, hey, can we make, you know, Twitch or this game? or uh, Instagram for gamers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so so when, we, when, when we market towards the, the kids, yeah, they get it, right? Because again, there's, and, and especially with our branding, right? Like our branding is so, I love it, right? <laughs> I, it's so different. It's, it's so, it's really cool, right? It's fun. You know, we, we, we really didn't want to make this a stuffy, like, just because you're building an app doesn't mean it has to be so serious because a lot of the times when you're building your first version, that entrepreneur is like really excited about what they're building and to go into uh, a framework that is like black and white with some gray and not, re not really a fun process doesn't really gel well with um, that user's uh, experience. So, um, yeah, that, I mean that's really what we set out to to um, to to build. But to, to answer your question about the 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 stakeholders, yeah, the stakeholders are still for for at least for small businesses are relatively older. Um, but they also they get it right, and I think during the pandemic really showed everyone that you don't want to be complacent. Uh, if you didn't have a website. You're definitely behind and now that you have an, an option to build an app you really need to take advantage of that as well because you know when when you're i mean just the ability to schedule pickups right is is a, is a life saver it is really a game changer for um for small businesses right um all that to have all those uh components like already done for you and it's literally just a click of a button it's a no-brainer Right. Um, and as far as like who who's telling these owners about that, uh, I mean, we we've definitely gave the TikTok route a shot, you know, so I, and I think that's one end of it. Like you mentioned earlier to have 
you know, the younger crowd go and telling the adults, hey, hey, you need to try this. So that's definitely a, a, an option that we've been exploring. But um, I've really been noticing that the small business owners have been searching like for different alternatives in order to, in order to you know, either stick with regulations or just to compete with the, the Ubers and DoorDashes of the world. Great. And do you have some kind of content or promotion or ad that seems to be outperforming everything else right now? Because typically in all businesses, it's like the Pareto principle where 20% work much better than the other 80%. And within that 20%, 4% or even 1% is like carrying the whole load if it's possible. And there is a lot of wisdom and key insights in that small KPI kind of super power right there. Yeah, um, we're definitely still in this testing phase, right? Where we're just taking a shotgun approach, where we're trying to to really narrow down what ad, what, what social media route, what video uh, works the best. Um, so it'd be hard to pinpoint exactly which platform is our is our goldmine <laughs> per se, um, because again, yeah, we're we're still in this testing phase. Great. So, well, let's take it back to basics. And what you said is a valid strategy because Einstein, when he has a quote where he was asked, what is your strategy for success? He said, I grope in the dark, which is exactly that shotgun approach. And it helped him, you know, come up with and develop the theory of relativity and change science as we know it. So it's not so bad. Okay. So can we focus on those small businesses who want the brand extension? So we have messaging for them. Is this okay? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, and those people, on average, did you notice like they have less than five employees, they have like 10 employees? Like what is the range so that we have it uh, more clear in our minds? Right, yeah, I, I, I would definitely say less than five uh, employees. Okay less than five and do they tend to be from a specific part of the world or the u.s or they're all over we have customers from all over it's been a it's been a weird and exciting journey but we're for some reason really popular in europe right now um yeah but, and yeah so that so that's been a cool experience to get to know um, our customers um from all around the world but yeah it's definitely really spread out and, and not there's really not a cluster like um, um, like we don't. Okay, the, I don't the thought have that is uh-huh. the thought and the question that is I'm thinking about right now. You know, it became somewhat difficult in Europe to collect those email addresses to follow up and send newsletters, etc., because of the regulations and laws. Mm-hmm. Do you right. think that your app? can offer a legal and valid way to keep in touch through, like you said, those uh, push notifications, etc., with their clients, while, you know, not relying so much on collecting emails, which became difficult in Europe, since you said the European seems to be attracted. Is this something that you have been noticing? Yeah, so in terms of like using an app, I think, I think uh, having your own app is a great way to uh, kind of grow your own uh, community without necessarily using like email or newsletters and things like that. 
because if you know let's say you are i don't know some type of personality right some type of social media personality um having your own community right well okay everyone everyone agrees to getting push notifications right and you don't really need to send out uh email updates or newsletters because you know maybe you have a news feed built into your own your own app and that's how your community keeps track of um of everything um so I think there's a bunch of ways to to offer better value than emails and newsletters through your through having your own app. Yes, and it's great. And okay, are you more than break even right now in our business? Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm trying to find what is already working because until you are doing more than 10 million. You should grow what is working before exploring because you mentioned businesses and then influencers and personalities, and that is not the same kind of target demographic. So I'm trying to focus on those. Um, maybe what is the percentage of small business owners from Europe that are using your app? Is it like large enough? Ooh, yeah, I, I, I mean, if I had to guess... It would probably be somewhere between like 10, 15% of our users. It's definitely not a, it's not something to, you know, laugh at by any means. Um, I, so I guess to put it in perspective, right? Like when it comes to our marketing and, and, and uh, growth expansion, like we're, we're, we're definitely in this, like, I hate to say it again, this shotgun approach where we're trying everything and, and looking at the data and seeing what our data is telling us about the, how consistent you know, advertising to this particular market would be. Um, I think we ended up in the beginning, we got a lot of, we have a lot of customers just from some of the media that's out there about us now, like being, you know, got featured in TechCrunch, like being number one on Product Hunt. The things like that have kind of just naturally um have have given have trickled in customers right and so really this has kind of been the first one of the first few times in our business where we had to kind of like sit down and pinpoint our where where our marketing spend should go yes and it's wonderful so if i understood you correctly you don't have any one group that is dominant within your user base you have like all kinds of people yeah exactly besides the besides small businesses right i mean that's definitely uh a large a large piece but i can't i i can't tell you that there's small small businesses and underneath that is like barbershops that are like doing 95 percent of our business right um it's i wish it was that easy but um unfortunately yeah okay. it's like super spread out so Oh, no, there is, because you said within the small business, those that are doing their own apps for brand extension and to connect and convert and keep in touch with their clients, those seem to be larger than the small businesses who are doing it for internal um, affairs. <laughs> yeah, for, for, sure. for sure. So, okay, that's, you know, it's, it's a good start and beginning. To ask you, do you have a 20% segment of your business that has given you 80% of the revenue? That's a good question. Uh, because if you don't, you should. If not, sure. you don't have enough 
like premium or uh, like um, business services or whatever, every business should have that um, extract, you know, in economics, there is the demand curve and the uh, supply curve. And then there is the price at which there is equilibrium. And there is also, there are people willing to pay higher prices. But if your price is lower, you lose that opportunity. And to know that your business is structured right and priced right, you should see clearly that there are 20% of your clients who are giving you 80%. It means you are capturing a lot of that pricing value through, you know, price strategy, as well as knowing that there are 4% that are giving you like 50%, then you're dealing with, with like you're doing it right. Because if you keep on relying on having the same uh, value, lifetime value of all clients, you are losing so much potential right there of people who are willing to pay more to get more but they're left to go seek somewhere else. They don't even stay. They will go to someone who is willing to charge more for more. You know what I mean? I gotcha. Yeah. This is a, like a real opportunity in, in price structuring that you find a way for you to offer more premium pricing that people are willing to pay so that there will be 20% who pay more they pay you 80% of your revenue and that is a really good growth sector sure. and strategy and uh, approach. But let's focus on this. Let's make it, you know, simplify it um, and focus on what is already happening. So we know that you said, especially in the pandemic, a lot of small businesses realized the needs for uh, the apps, especially that when they have those apps, they can offer services such as pickup and all that without relying on third parties, correct? Right. I will ask you, since you are very familiar with this, what, let's say a business ignores that possibility of having their own app. What's the worst that can happen, like specifically? Not just, oh, they will go bankrupt, but like, what will they notice that will be bad? Right. Uh, well, I mean, you'll probably have, let's say business is going really great. You probably won't be that efficient, right? Because maybe all, all the only way you're taking orders is through phone calls and maybe you only have two phones. So now only people can, now only two people can order at a time. Let's say it takes two, two or three minutes to place an order. That's less efficient versus having an app where there's no limits to how many consecutive people can't place an order at the same time. All right, maybe there is, but it's definitely not two. And you probably, <laughs> as a small business, if you're having hundreds of thousands of people order at the same time, I mean, you have a good problem, but a different problem. Um, so I guess worst case scenario, you're you're missing out on the bottom line, right? You're you're being less efficient with your your time and and how many customers you're able to serve. Um, yeah. And you know, efficiency is really the name of the game in the in the service industry. You know, how many customers are we serving like per hour? Like, how do you get that number up? You know, how efficient are are you? Um, how long are wait times? Like, how do you get wait times down? Um, yeah, that's that's what I would say. You you'd you'd be losing out on um, 
additional customers and and how efficient your 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 business could be running if you had an order place uh, order placement system within an, an app thank you and that is beautiful but human nature is that people run from pain and they don't really pay for improvement that easily they pay for, to avoid catastrophes so let's think differently okay. let's say okay they have two phones and two operators on the phones did mm -hmm. those small businesses need to lay off employees um, did they notice that customers they're not calling as much did they uh, notice that their revenues drop like what on average i mean not in brainstorming but did they say to you like oh my god this helped him so much because x y z hmm. well i think a lot of small businesses are trying to compete with uh uber doordash postmates um and things like that so that they can keep more of their money Right. So just if, if every if, if the restaurant had their own order, uh, order taking system, then they wouldn't necessarily need to be on uh, Uber Eats. Right. Or at the very least, they're not being held to that uh, that that limitation. Right. Like like if Uber Eats one day decides to you're no longer available in their marketplace, then what do you do as a business owner? Right. Like you should be you should kind of have your own you know, your own app, your own marketplace where, uh, you know, your, your customers are able to place an order directly um, through you. Thank you. And that is, you know, prevention. And the, the other thing is people don't really do prevention. We're working with the psychology of human nature. I remember someone told a story. He was a psychiatrist sitting next to a heart surgeon who was speaking about that and he said well people who come to you for heart surgery and you tell them you have to stop smoking or stop eating greasy food or xyz how many return and go back to that same habit and he says oh at least 80 percent so for them to should avoid is in theory beautiful and perfect but people don't direct budget to something that might or might not happen to avoid it only very few so okay let's think in more specific and actual terms are are they paying too much commission to those services and therefore by offering their own app they will regain more revenue like what are those yeah. percentages of commissions and those apps and or is it really common for them to be excluded from those uh, marketplaces I'm not sure about the uh, exclusion. I, I think um, those marketplaces are uh, fairly open. But in terms of revenue, yeah, I mean, small businesses are missing out when um, Uber takes their cut, plus, you know, the trans credit card transaction fees, things like that. Um, so, so, yeah, having your own um, app would be a great way to, again, save your, save your bottom line. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why a small business would, you know, have an app, right? I guess in this case, restaurants are trying to figure out how to recoup some of their money in a pandemic. Um, maybe a barbershop is trying to figure out how to um, how to add convenience to their service, right? Um, uh, maybe, I don't know, a dog walker is just tr trying to like grow their own uh, 
Rolodex, right? And so having an app uh, for their customers provides an extra value, right? So there's a bunch of different reasons. It could it could be, uh, you know, there could be bottom line, could be convenience, could be added value, um, but all okay. those things are are. I'm thinking apps. about it, and I think, what do you think about this one? You mm -hmm. know, in these hard times, small businesses are really struggling and they're seeing that their revenues are shrinking and they're not getting as many customers as they used to because of the whole craziness and some people are not, you know, going to restaurants anymore or the dog walkers, they're not getting that because of human distancing, they're not uh, getting as many people uh, coming to them. So you offer something very valuable, which is to make more money from the people who are your your existing customers or the people who are willing to do business with you and why is that because when people have your app on their phone and they get those notifications they will not go and forget about you or go to someone else and therefore instead of each time you are losing a client because they get attracted to someone else you are keeping that client which replaces your need to go out and get new clients in these hard times where people are having uh, lower numbers of conversions than ever, which allows you to increase your revenue even with lower conversion because you have more repeat customers. And when you have more repeat customers, you build relationships with those people which makes them more loyal and increases their lifetime value and therefore your business will grow even in the hard economic times. And even if other people are struggling, you will be that exception who found stroke gold in the heart of darkness. While if you don't do this, your competitor next door is probably already discovered v1 and is already registering right now their account to use their app to get steal your customers and use those notifications and that ease of um, convenience in order to keep them ordering and they will ignore you and you will be not only converting less but losing your existing customers who will forget you because of those sweet notifications that will release the dopamine in their brains from your competitors who are smart enough to become V1 customers while you will watch your business crumble and then your family will be looking at you for asking you, why did you do this to our future? The, your children who needed to go to university, your wife who looked at you as a man, your uh, parents who always knew you're a disappointment and now you're now you're proving them right and it's oh, only man. because you have this moment to register for v1 and it's your choice you can choose to go that dark road of darkness or you can be one of the winners who jumps and be one of the first ones who hurries in to begin keeping your customers in your community and within your sphere of influence because your business today depends on what you do right now. Can this be a good message? That is a great message. I couldn't have said that better myself. That's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. I mean, I've been helping people and I hope also the listeners are getting a good value from this because I keep digging to find where is that place and, you know, for each, like for the makers, there will be a different message for each one. And therefore, your business is complex enough and rich enough 
to carry different messages that will resonate with different people. And this will resonate with those uh, mom and pop shops, especially now it's true that conversions are lower. So to make more from less clients, wow, that is valuable. And that makes your money that you make not at all an expense, but rather it's cheaply paying for them to survive and for them to make more and for them to keep their clients and for them to not need to go out and get eaten by the wolves in the Facebook ads and the right. Instagram ads jungle out there. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. 100%. It's definitely easier to get to get more money out of your previous or existing companies or uh, customers than it is to, you know, go out and acquire new customers. So, yeah. Yes. And because psychologically, that first transaction is the hardest because they don't know you, they don't trust you yet. But after they buy once, the commitment and consistency kicks in and they were satisfied. So they're like, okay, I know these people, I like these people, but we are in distracted times, Netflix and, uh, you know, notifications and Facebook and Instagram. If you don't keep being in the face of the people with notifications and offers and like memes even or whatever, they will forget you because life is, is really, really like um, full of distractions these days. So if you cannot right. keep in touch with them, they can love you forever, but they will not remember you when they need. And if someone comes to them with a new offer and they forgot you, well, right. you lost. You lost twice because you will need to get a new customer and you lost that opportunity cost of the person you could have kept that would have been extra value for a longer time. Kenneth, I mean, I hope this was valuable to you. Can you share a bit about the vision for V1? I hope this was valuable. Say if it helped you like with ideas for content marketing or whatever, just... I wish for you to speak. I don't want to be like the one speaking a lot because you are someone exceptional and super cool. So say something. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely got uh, some pretty good value out of this. Um, again, I, I, I love doing these doing these chats, man. Um, yeah, I, the vision for the company is, is still the same, right? Uh, and that's providing uh, non-technical people with the opportunity to build tech. Right. right now, that's, um, you know, mobile apps. But in the future, who knows what type of software we're, we're able to um, to pass down to non-technical people. Um, so the vision is still the same. Uh, definitely. No, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you helping me out there for um, for, for that piece. And uh, it's been great. Thank you. And where can people find out more about you, about V1? What are the links, the places, and where can they go so that they become users and discover more about what you offer? For sure. So you can go to our website. That's uh, yourv1.com. So Y-O-U-R, V as in Victor, and O-N-E.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our main go-to website. And then all of our links should be there, social at your v1 uh for twitter and instagram um that's where we are <laughs> thank you very much and to the listener if you have some idea or a business that you would like to be a guest on this podcast and for me to work with you on and it's different when you're a guest it actually clicks because it's your experience it's something different to a person listening that they don't have skin in the game so 
this, these are the steps. Leave a nice comment on Apple Podcasts about this podcast. Send me a screenshot on Twitter at NoCodeWealth and I'll schedule an episode with you and help you with your idea. And, you know, let's make the no-code community great and let's make it have that thing that is missing, which many makers are so good and so well-intentioned and so capable, but they're missing that marketing piece. And it's for me to complete that piece so that good ideas don't die because they're not marketed right. Uh, Kenneth, I wish you a great day. It was an honor and a pleasure for me. It's same here, man. (laughs) See you later. Thank you.